Well, good morning again. We're uh, continuing a series that started a while back that's taking us through the Gospel of John. It's this series uh, titled That You May Believe. And in the wake of Easter, we're especially reminded that the claims of the Christian faith, uh, the foundational claims, are historic in nature, meaning in Christmas and Easter, we have claims that something happened in this world. And of course, as followers of Jesus, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead in his body. Uh, I know that my Redeemer liveth, right? Uh, so we, we celebrate that. And we hold in mind, as we're uh, kind of looking through the Gospel of John, the purpose for which the apostle said he wrote. Gladly, he told us the reason he wrote at the end of his letter. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the book we're looking at, the Gospel of John, was written so that we might believe that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be and that we might have the kind of life he said he came to give, life in his name. So we're holding in, in mind throughout this series uh, th this idea of responding to Jesus. Uh, God reveals things to us in this life through scripture, by the Holy Spirit, and ours is then to respond. So revelation and response. So today we're looking at chapter 13. It's a bit of a rewind to Maundy Thursday. There's the scripture that records some of those events where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and gives them a new mandate to love one another. So let's listen to the scripture together. Listen to God's word from John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, 
nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so, so you, you must, must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, if you, you love, love one another. another. This, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great job, guys. Noah and Owen are friends from KeyQuest. That was awesome, guys. <laughs> so do you know the, the game, Would You Rather? You know this game? Would you rather team up with Wonder Woman or Superman? No. Would you rather wear dirty socks or dirty underwear? That's the 10 and 8-year-old boy version, right? <laughs> Would you rather be forced to sing along to or dance to every song you hear? I actually want the answer to that from a lot of you. I would be interested. <laughs> uh, or more serious questions. Would you rather have a pause or a rewind button in your life? So this question, would you rather have someone else wash your feet or wash someone else's feet? Or to spin it around, you know, which would be harder for you? To wash somebody's feet or to let somebody wash your feet? Hold that answer in your mind. We'll come back to it. Um, the, the passage we heard uh, today starts with a little kind of intro before getting into the foot washing uh, story, and it describes the way Jesus loved his disciples. Look at this quick. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So not, not quite the Passover just before, and uh, Jesus knew that he was going to die, and that, that phrase, Jesus knew, is repeated in the coming verses too, and it, it speaks to what Jesus knew that caused him to act. We'll come back to that too. The part I want to focus on here is that, that last sentence, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And there's, there's a whole lot in the Gospel of John about Jesus loving the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Really up to this point in his Gospel, there hasn't been a lot about the way Jesus loved his disciples, his, his followers. Uh, but this marks kind of a pivot in the Gospel of John. And the next five chapters are all about Jesus loving his disciples, what discipleship in the eyes of Jesus looks like. So we're, we're making a turn in, in the Gospel. And, and this verse tells us how Jesus loved his disciples. Specifically, he loved them to the end. Now, I, I would wager that ye you, like me, assume you know what that means. My mind immediately went to, well, he loved them to the end of his life, right? He loved them until he died, Jesus, that is. And it does mean that, but it means more than that. It means that Jesus loved them completely. He loved them fully. 
Uh, It means that Jesus loved them to the end of all of his resources and his capacity. It means Jesus loved his disciples with everything in him, holding nothing back, gave it all. All right, that's what it means that he loved them to the end. It's the way Jesus loved his disciples. So that's the preface. Then we get into the foot washing story. Here it is again. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So there's a, there's a pattern there if you spend some time reading this over and over. Uh, Jesus knew, so he. Jesus knew, so he. Jesus knew something, so he did something. His, his knowledge led him to action. So we have to ask, what did Jesus know? Now we mentioned one in verse one. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Then from verse three that we just read, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that he had come from God and he knew that he was returning to God. So summarized, Jesus knew he was going to die. Jesus knew he had power over everything. And Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was and whose he was. He knew where he was from and where he was going. He had a firm grasp on who he was. Jesus knew all this, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist. That, that was the, the garb of a servant, right? A servant's towel around the waist, gathered to serve those coming to eat together. This might be oversimplified, but the conjunction so means for that reason. Jesus knew these things, and for that reason, he became the lowliest of servants. He, he, he took off his garment and wrapped the towel around him. And foot washing was for the bottom rung of servants. I, I mean, this was dirty business. Think about it. Sandals, dirt streets, lots of animals, no parade cleanup crew behind the horses and donkeys. I mean, it was a mess. Uh, it was much worse than your socks after you work out. This was dirty business. Jesus knew these things, so he became the lowliest of servants. I, there's something very deep here with which we need to grapple because this is an upending of the world's understanding of power. Not kind of, but completely. So, so think about this. Jesus had power over everything. And many of you have heard that old saying, right? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is a true statement in a fallen world populated by broken humans. But here Jesus shows us that it is not true of him. Nor is it true of God the Father. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus had power over everything. That's absolute power. So follow me now. Let's compare two ways of describing how Jesus responded 
to the knowledge that he had absolute power. We could say, Jesus knew he had absolute power, but he became the lowliest of servants. We're back to conjunctions now. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) YouTube it if you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, When you put the but in there, it reveals our assumption that having absolute power and becoming the lowliest of servants are on opposite ends of the power continuum. All power being on one end and servitude being on the other end. The assumption is clear. If you have power, you don't serve. That's for people below you. That would miss the point of the foot washing entirely because the conjunction isn't a but. It's a so for that reason. The point is not that even though Jesus had absolute power, he used it to serve others. The point is, because Jesus had absolute power, he used it to serve others. So we should say, Jesus knew he had absolute power, and for that reason, he became the lowliest of servants. This is the Jesus way. And and it turns the world's understanding of power upside down. Because for Jesus, power meant servitude. Power meant the responsibility to serve other people. Power was something given by God to be used for the advancement of God's agenda in the world. It was a gift to begin with, not our own. And according to the Jesus way, any power a human being possesses ought to be directed towards serving others. See, for followers of Jesus, the way we use our power is a critical element of discipleship. Super important. If we possess any power, social, uh, economic, positional, whatever, we ought to use it to serve others, not take advantage of others, not manipulate and position, but to serve, understanding that the power itself is a gift from God to be stewarded for God's purposes. Jesus was crystal clear on this. Look at the end of uh, Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He was speaking to his disciples. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. To love them to the end. To love them to the end of his resources and his capacity. That's exactly what Jesus did. This is the Jesus way. Jesus told his followers very directly in the passage we read that he was giving us an example we should imitate, right? I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Again, this just turns everything upside down, doesn't it? One, one commentator put it this way, that the disciple should wash the master's feet is normal and proper, but if the master becomes a menial slave to the disciple, then all proper order is overturned. 
<laughs> Our whole plan comes undone. Like, this isn't the way things work, Jesus. So it's understandable that, that Peter would protest. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Impetuous Peter, right? Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. Peter, Peter protests, no, you'll never wash my feet. There's a proper order to things, Jesus. You're up here, I'm down here. You have more power than me, so that makes me your servant because you're the more powerful. See, Peter thought himself unworthy of receiving the service of Jesus. But Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, you've got to follow Jesus here because he changed up a little bit, didn't he? He moved from talking about physical foot washing to the forgiveness he would offer to the world through the cross, through his death on the cross. But, but his point is this. Receiving forgiveness from Jesus means allowing him to serve you. Receiving forgiveness from Jesus is like allowing him to wash your feet. And, and as it turns out, there's no other way. Yes, the Jesus way involves following his example in using our power to serve others, but not surprisingly, one gets started on the Jesus way by allowing Jesus to serve you, to wash you. Right, th think about someone washing your feet. H has anybody experienced this? Raise your hand if you've been in a foot washing kind of service or really please do it. I want to I wanna know how many. Okay, so we need to do this. And now, now you're like, no, please. <laughs> um, I, I've, you know, maybe, maybe a Monday Thursday service, maybe uh, a different Christian tradition or some special worship service. I've experienced this multiple times, but I so remember the first time that I was part of a foot washing uh, service. The directions were to allow the person doing the foot washing to untie and take off your shoes, to take off your socks, and to wash your feet in a basin, to dry them with a towel, and to put your sock back on, to put your shoe back on, and to tie your shoe for you. I remember the feeling and the thoughts. And the, and the instruction to the person whose feet were being washed was, you just sit there and receive it. So this is my inner dialogue, like, oh, man, my, I, I should have shined those shoes. Those are really dirty. Let me, let me just, can I get that for you? Man, I left the house early this morning. I've had these socks and these shoes on since I left 12 hours ago. I mean, please let me peel those things off. And maybe, maybe could I, you know, could I just kind of 
put my feet in the bowl real quick before you start. You know, I'll, I'll do like a pre-rinse. I'll get most of it. I mean, I'll, can I do that? You see, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, it wasn't just like how to follow him, how to use power like he did. While those lessons are profound. It, it was every bit a lesson in how to receive from Jesus. Which is the first step, by the way, before we get to all the how you use your power stuff. See, it was a metaphor for the cross of Christ and the salvation of which the Bible speaks. Receiving forgiveness means allowing Jesus to serve you. And we all have these twitchy instincts, right? Like, let me get the shoe, let me take the socks. Oh, oh, please, no, I'll put it back on, thanks. And you know what? It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. To receive what the Lord Jesus is actually offering us, we must sit there and receive it. He does everything. You do nothing. He cleanses you completely. You contribute nothing. The effort, the work, the result, and therefore all of the glory are entirely his, not ours. Because the reality is that when we're talking about that cleansing from sin, we, uh, as another pastor put it, are deaf, dumb, and dead. We, we can't contribute anything. See, receiving forgiveness from Jesus is like letting someone wash your feet. So how did you answer the earlier question? Right, which would be harder for you? For, wash somebody else's feet or to allow someone to wash your feet. See, the brilliance of this thing that Jesus did for his disciples and the brilliance of it uh, being recorded in the Bible is that this story is an equal opportunity offender. There's correction in it for all of us. If you think that you're above washing someone else's feet, or maybe if you think you're above washing someone else's feet, if that person is below you, you're missing the Jesus way and need to go back. If you think you don't need to be washed, you're missing the Jesus way and need to go back. If you think you're not worthy of allowing Jesus to wash you, you're missing the Jesus way and you need to go back. And on that topic of feeling unworthy, the truth of the matter is that decision is above your pay grade. None of us get to decide whether we're worthy of what Jesus did for us or not. That's God's decision to make. And God decided that we were worth it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you think you can get yourself mostly clean before you turn to Jesus to get you across the finish line, you're missing the Jesus way and need to go back. 
In receiving forgiveness, in the same way you have to sit there and let somebody else wash your feet, that is the foundation of any real relationship with Christ. That's where it starts. So if at Easter, the historical claim of the resurrection answers the question, is this really a thing? Right? Is this Christian a bit really a thing? And, and yeah, he was raised from the dead, and yes, it's a thing. And if you get on to the next question of, well, what's the heart of the thing? This is the heart of the thing. Jesus doing it all for us and us contributing nothing. And, and as Jesus clarified, once we've received, we're completely clean in need of no other cleansing. Those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. If Jesus cleanses you, you are clean indeed. And from that place uh, where, where a, a human soul has relinquished striving and is finally at rest in Christ, where you are enjoying that kind of submitted confidence that is all gift and no work of your own, from there, then we get serious about following Jesus in this life. Back at the beginning of the passage, we learned that Jesus loved his disciples to the end, you know, to the end of all of his resources and capacity. At the end of the passage, Jesus tells us to go and do likewise. Right? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That this is the most important mark, the most important characteristic of a follower of Jesus, that we love other followers of Jesus. Yeah, we love the world too. We serve the world. We work hard for justice and peace and, and all of that. But, but this command uh, resides in the one anothering commands of Jesus where he's speaking directly to his followers and saying, this is what your community ought to look like. This is what it should be. And the implications are, are profound. And we're to love one another to the end of our resources and to the end of our capacity. To love one another without holding anything back. And, says Jesus, by this, this to the end love for one another, everyone meaning the whole world outside the church, those who aren't yet followers of Jesus, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another without holding back. See, the Jesus way is first and foremost about receiving from Jesus the forgiveness he died to offer and then on to serving like Jesus. Loving with that all in kind of commitment. Let us find and follow the Jesus way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pray with me, please. Thank you for your grace to us, O oh God. Thank you that while we were still in our sins, you died for us. While we were at that place 
most distant from you, you pursued us. While we were at the, the depth of our dirtiness, you reached down to reclaim us. It's amazing love, Lord. Help us receive your love and grace and forgiveness and help us follow you in this world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.